We've been making our way through the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we come now to chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Listen to the Word of God. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him, that is Jesus, on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. (laughs) Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. (laughs) Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A man with leprosy came to him. A person in Jesus' day could not imagine a more horrifying encounter. In biblical days, no condition was more despised and more feared than leprosy. Also known as Hansen's disease, leprosy is a skin disease that deadens nerve cells so that one cannot feel pain, which of course is not a good thing because pain has an essential function of alerting us to potential damage to our body. So a leprosy patient may walk all day on a sharp metal screw screw, or unknowingly suffer burns at the stove or scratch an infected spot on the eyeball. And each of these acts destroys tissue and may eventually lead to loss of limb or vision. Though today leprosy is quite rare and easily treated, thankfully, Back then, it was thought to be incurable and highly contagious. The dread of contagion is reflected in the following passage from the book of Leviticus, from the 13th chapter. In fact, if you read Leviticus chapter 13, it reads like an ancient manual of dermatology. It's an amazing thing, actually. Check it out sometime. Leviticus 13, 14, right around in there. This is what it says. It says... The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. To ensure against contact with society, the leper was required to make himself look as repugnant as possible. And they were to keep their distance at all costs. They could not come any closer than 50 paces. And such was the fear of contracting leprosy that it was believed that you can be infected just by walking under a tree that a leper had previously stood under. 
So even though lepers did not physically hurt, they suffered the pain of rejection from the surrounding community. They felt unwanted, unloved, worthless, lonely. They were social pariahs. Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote that lepers were treated as if they were living dead men, corpses. And in Old Testament days, leprosy was thought to be a form of divine punishment for sin, making those who suffered this disease spiritually unclean, another reason to stay away from them. And so for this man, for this leper to approach Jesus in the way that he did, falling at his feet, well, that was outrageously scandalous and offensive. Broke all the rules. But such was a man suffering, he didn't care anymore. He heard Jesus was a healer, and he came to him in desperation. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He had no doubt that Jesus could heal him. He only wondered whether he'd be willing to. But what is even more shocking than this leper's approach to Jesus is Jesus' own reaction. Because the expected reaction would have been one of absolute horror and contempt. But instead of turning away from the leper, Jesus turns towards him. And what did he do? The most audacious, audaciously shocking thing imaginable, he reached out his hand and he touched him. I mean, you can almost hear the collective gasps of the crowd. With one outstretched arm, with, with his hand out there, Jesus was reaching beyond the physical and the, and, the, and the social and the spiritual barriers prescribed by the Torah and by custom alike. I am willing, he says, be clean. So the touch of Jesus speaks more loudly than his words. It's a touch that goes beyond merely human love. It's none other than the love of God for the rejected, for the unwanted, for the forgotten. Can you imagine what it must have been like for this man to actually have been touched, actually touched? How long do you think it was since this man had received a hug or a hand on the shoulder or a handshake? Dr. Paul Brand was a well-known missionary doctor. In fact, he died in Seattle in 2003 a doctor who specialized in the care of leprosy patients. In fact, he was the first physician to appreciate that leprosy does not itself cause the rotting away of tissues, but it was the loss of sensation of pain which made sufferers susceptible to injury. I mean, did you know that? It's not the, the bacteria that actually causes the loss of tissue, but it's because, because sufferers didn't feel the pain they were subject to all kinds of, you know, you'd scratch and destroy tissue. Again, you'd be burned. You wouldn't know it. That's why so many uh, had no limbs. But Brand wrote, more than any other person in the world, 
The person with leprosy needs to be treated by somebody who will reach out his hand and touch him. Paul, uh, actually, uh, Philip Yancey, a popular writer of Christian uh, books, co-authored some books with Dr. Brand. And uh, Yancey tells about a time when Brand was treating a young man suffering uh, leprosy. He was in India. And in the course of the examination, Brand laid his hand on the patient's shoulder and, and then proceeded to tell him what he could expect for further treatments. But to Brand's surprise, the man began to cry. And he didn't know, was he doing something wrong? And so he asked the interpreter, you know, what, why, is he, why is he crying? What did I do? And the interpreter in, in, in Tamil spoke to the, to the patient. And the interpreter then said, no, you didn't do anything wrong, Dr. Brand. This man is crying because until he had come here, no one had ever touched him in years. Now, I think we all know the importance of touch in normal human development. You may have heard studies of babies left alone in their cradles without normal human touch, and how without that normal touching, physical and emotional growth was severely stunted, so that we never outgrow our need for touch, human touch. How much more did this man who came to Jesus needed to be touched to be whole again? Jesus touched him and healed him, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually, reconnecting him to the human community and giving him back his dignity. Jesus, filled with compassion, reached out his hand and touched him. Immediately, there's that word again, Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. So that here we catch an important glimpse into the feelings and motivations of Jesus. He's not put off by the man's uncleanness, but he is filled with compassion. Now, the Greek word for compassion is the word, I'm sure you'll remember this, splanknizome. Splanknizome which literally means from the spleen, out of the bowels. Now, it's interesting that in our culture, we talk about loving from the heart, right? Well, in biblical days, they loved from the bowels. For them, love was felt uh, at gut level. They felt it. You know, Jesus moved within his, well, no, I won't say it, but <laughs> Jesus was filled with compassion, moved from the depths of his being by love. Now, it's very interesting to note, I think, that there is a very old and important manuscript of Mark's gospel that has a bit of a different rendering here. So that instead of filled with compassion, it reads, filled with anger or indignation. In fact, the newest version of the NIV has that. Jesus was indignant. In fact, this rendering of the verse seems so odd that some scholars think that, that perhaps this was the more accurate one. 
If Jesus was filled with anger or indignation, what would he have been angry about? It doesn't seem that he would be angry at the leper because he was quite willingly, very willing to, to heal him. But perhaps there's a clue in the Old Testament book of Judges which says, God became indignant over the misery of Israel. Seems most likely that Jesus' anger was directed at the misery of the leper. Perhaps he was indignant at the injustice of his suffering in a fallen world. Perhaps he was incensed at a state of affairs that produces outcasts and that generates misery and suffering and evil. Jesus does not put up with these things. So if Jesus was at all angry, it was but the other side of his love. I guess you could say filled with angry compassion. He reached out his hand and healed the man. The main point is this, though. Jesus touched the untouchable. Now, if you and I are to be like Jesus, if we are to follow his example and love as he loved, you and I, it seems to me, you and I have to ask ourselves, who are the untouchables in my life? Who are the people who need the touch of my love and concern? One of the great saints of the Christian church, and she's literally on the fast track to official sainthood in the Catholic church, was Mother Teresa, who died in 1997. And Mother Teresa, whose sisters in Calcutta ran both a hospice and a clinic for leprosy patients, once said, we have drugs for people with diseases like leprosy, but these drugs do not treat the main problem, the disease of being unwanted. That's what my sisters hope to provide. The sick and the poor, she said, suffer more from rejection than material want. An alcoholic in Australia told me, she said, that when he's walking along the street, he hears the footsteps of everyone coming toward him becoming faster. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. And the fact is, you and I don't have to be a doctor or a missionary a miracle worker, or a nun to meet that need. In fact, someone commenting on our scripture passage wrote, we may not be able to heal like Jesus, but if we are willing, we can certainly love like Jesus. We may not have the power to heal each other physically, but we do have the power to declare each other clean, touchable, worthy human. So that we are the body of Christ, right? We are his hands and his feet. Well, you and I have the heart of God, the boundless compassion of God to reach out and to touch the untouchables. So then, again, who are the untouchables in our lives who could most use the touch of God's love through us? Maybe we can th th think of some of the circles uh, in which we live, you know. Uh, are there people in our family or in our church family? or at, at work, who are feeling unwanted, valueless, unworthy, lonely, ignored or forgotten? How about the neighbor across the street or the elderly person in the nursing home who never receives a call from his family? 
Are we aware of these folks? Have we thought about it? Could they use our loving touch? Or perhaps you and I could ask a more searching question, actually. Who are the people we've placed outside God's healing touch? In Jesus' day, there were outcast groups who did not merit the time of day, lepers and beggars and sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and so on. These were people whom the general populace simply wrote off as people beyond help, lost to God. But not unlike the people of that day, you and I have a tendency to build walls and erect boundaries which should lead us to reflect, who are the people we would rather not see, let alone touch? Who are our untouchables? Who are the people that we speak of as them in contrast to us in order to set a boundary that makes us feel justified in ignoring or rejecting or even condemning them? Are there people that we think are just plain lost to God and we've kind of written them off? They're on the fast track to hell. Just write them off? Of course, God doesn't do that. You never know when such folks might be touched by God's unconditional love and will turn around. Maybe their turnaround would begin with your loving touch. Jesus was willing to touch the untouchable. Now, was Jesus infected by the leper who came to him? No, Jesus infected the leper with the gospel, with the good news of God's love, because to use the words of Pastor John Ortberg, Jesus was more contagious with God's power than the leper was with his disease. You and I are the hands of Jesus. Just let the power of God's love flow through us. In fact, it, may it be positively contagious and so infect the world with the power of God's salvation. So may it be. Now, there's an interesting conclusion to this story. Because after healing the man, Jesus sternly warned him not to tell anybody about what just happened. But rather, he was to go, according to the, to, to the prescription of the law, he was to go show himself to the priests who could write a, a certificate of cleanliness, a clean bill of health. The, the priesthood in that day was basically the health department. And he had, to, he had to do that to be restored to full community. The Greek word for sternly warned I won't say it to you. You won't remember. But it means literally snorting, a flaring of the nostrils. I mean, Jesus was adamant. You are not to tell anybody about what has just happened. The command to silence, Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is always commanding people to be quiet about what he's done. Seems counterintuitive, but that's the case. And there's a reason for that. Jesus quiets the demons who know who he is. He quiets the man. It's what's called the messianic secret in the Gospel of Mark. And I'll have more to say about that, I'm sure, later. But it has to do with, uh, with uh, the notion that, that Jesus did not want to be known primarily as a miracle worker, as a healer. 
He didn't want false ideas of his identity to be spread. He was more than that. But the man disobeyed. And he went out and he told everyone about what had happened to him. Such that Jesus could not even go out without being mobbed by the people who wanted to be healed. Not even dark glasses and a big hat could keep people from recognizing him. Now, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? The leper, who once was banished, he had to live in lonely places, was welcomed back into the community as a result of his healing. Meanwhile, Jesus as a result of healing the man, now has to stay in lonely places and live as if he were an outcast away from the community. It's as if Jesus and the leper have traded places. And the religious leaders will, make more, will, will treat Jesus more and more as a leper, an outcast, until they finally crucify him outside the camp, outside the city gates, in a place of utter desolation and isolation. Jesus and the leper have traded places. And now to the religious leaders, Jesus is the leper. And they're going to get rid of him. They're going to keep him away at all costs. Jesus traded places with us on the cross. He took upon himself the burden of our sin that we might be cleansed and healed, restored, forgiven, made whole. We all have diseased parts of our personality. We all stand in need of healing. We are all unclean before a holy God. But he cared enough for untouchables like you and me that he was willing to die for us. Such is God's boundless compassion. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, if he so loved us, let us love one another. Let's pray. Uh, gracious God, uh, we find ourselves convicted by this particular passage. Uh, there are people that we have placed outside the scope of our love. So, Lord, we would be filled with compassion as you are. Lord, may we be contagious with your love and may it chase away the evil, and the, the evil in this world. Lord, you became an outcast for our sakes. You were numbered among the transgressors. Lord, thank you for loving us. And now, Lord, having been healed by you in terms of being forgiven, now may we change. May we be transformed. May we live the life to which you have called us in deep connection with you and with those around us. 
By your death on the cross, you made that connection possible. We thank you for that freedom, for that liberation, and for the joy that brings to our hearts. In Jesus' name, our Savior and our Lord, we pray all these things. Amen.